can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Testing Thursdays with Wayne. Hope you all have had a good week. Looking forward to the week coming up. I'm going to be teaching a CPO class in, of all places, Wildwood, New Jersey. Woohoo! Wildwood, New Jersey. Can't wait for that. Um, big class, too, so this ought to be a lot of fun. But <clears throat> what I'm going to talk about today will probably carry uh, an M label or maybe even an R label. Um, we'll see. Kind of depends on on how you all feel about it. But I've got a story to tell you. Uh, let's let's start with the preface first before I hit the story part. Uh, as part of what I teach um, for CPO and some of the other classes that I've been involved with over the years, um, we talk about uh, the Virginia Graham Baker Act. Now, I, I'm pretty sure that if you don't know what the VGB Act is, you better. Uh, because the Virginia Graham Baker Act um, was uh, a pretty dramatic uh, change in um, environment, I guess, for the pool and spa industry back when it first became law. And un unfortunately, it became law due to the death of a very young lady named Virginia Graham Baker, who happened to be the granddaughter of Senator Howard Baker back then in the 90s who died uh, because of entrapment. Uh, I believe it was body entrapment. Uh, she drowned, and um, and that's horrible, and that's terrible, and uh, we all feel for the family. But as a result of that um, horrible accident, Senator Baker back then, this was in the late 90s, um, proposed uh, the Virginia Graham Baker Act, the VGB Act, as it's now called which basically requires um, a specific kind of um, drain cover that would prevent entrapment. Uh, now, we all know there's different kinds of entrapment. We have, you know, limb entrapment, like a finger, a, an arm, you know, a toe, whatever. We've got uh, hair entrapment, uh, for those of you who have hair. Mm. Um if there's not tied back or close to an inlet, you know, that kind of thing that pulls you in. Um, uh, there's evisceration, which is the worst kind, which is where you, you sit on a, on a main drain grate and basically <sighs> your intestines are sucked through your butt. Um, and it's, it's terrible, but it happens and it happens more often than we all think it does. And it's a very serious topic. And, what the the legislation legislation can't say that today um, did was f it forced the industry to reconsider uh, drain covers and how to 
make them um, non-entrapmentable. God, I just invented a word, non-entrapmentable. Don't ask me to spell it or use it in a sentence. Go ahead and try. Anyhow, and then it it all it proposed a bunch of other things like separating mean drains by um, uh, these drain drains by four feet or more. Um, there's, a, there's a whole lot of little pieces involved with it that caused the industry to rethink itself, basically, and uh, to uh, retrofit new drains, new drain covers, things like that. And back when it first started, there was a lot of brouhaha. I like that word, brouhaha. <laughs> um, it's been a long morning so far. Uh, it created a lot of problems. Uh, a lot of consternation, a lot of, oh God, ness uh, among the industry initially because there was money involved. Um, I would say a lot of community pools, and what do I mean by a lot? I would say at least a good 20 to 25% of the public uh, pools, um, or really any pool um, uh, that's non-residential, the pool was required to retrofit this drain cover, this new drain cover, and you know, follow the other rules of EGB Act, and and the Act gave gave people, I don't know, I think it was four or five years to have it done. For some reason, the year two thousand five sticks in my mind as as to when the final date was, when everything had to be done, or you'd be shut down by your local health department. Now I know health departments being understaffed as they are. They all went, ha, 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 that's not going to happen too terribly much. But the enforcement of, of the VGB Act did happen. And because of that, um, a lot of pools simply could not afford to retrofit. I mean, I'm, we're talking, uh, well, let me give you an example. This is not the story now, but this is just an example. The county that I live in in Maryland is called Harford County. And back in the day, I used to be a swimming official for high school swim meets. And the three pools that um, the swim meets were held at were all indoor pools and were all at, surprisingly, middle schools um, in, in, in the county. And when VGB came out and the requirement for new drains and whatever, and, and of course, with that was the ADA um, um, influence too, um, they were worried that they didn't have enough money because it wasn't cheap to retrofit or to add a second train or whatnot. There were a lot of pools, a lot of community pools, uh, public pools, semi-public pools that shut down because they could not afford to retrofit anything. Um, and that was a big shame. Well, you know, jump ahead, you know, 17, 18, 19 years later um, now, and, and here we, here we are on the second iteration of the VGB Act because a lot of the drain covers have have uh, passed their expiration date. Some were five years, some were eight years, whatnot. But um, the the actual application of, of these safety measures to avoid entrapment was was appropriate back then. So that's the preface. It took me a little over seven minutes to do that. <laughs> but, you know, I'm incredible. I just condensed, you know, 20 years and six minutes. Anyhow, um, so as part of the CPO course and some of the other things, like I said earlier, that, that I teach, um, I talk about entrapment 
and how to avoid it and things like that and BGB and ADA and, and all the other stuff involved with it. Um, I have seen, and I, I don't know the name of the person, the name of the man who did this, but back in the late seventies, maybe mid eighties, um, way back, and I'm going reaching way back NSPI. Remember them? Um, pre pre bankruptcy, um, commissioned a gentleman to show what entrapment looks like. And the guy was, um, and I used to show this video at some of the classes I taught um, on, on VHS tape. You remember that VHS tape? Um, he would go to a waiting pool, a local waiting pool with a cameraman. And this waiting pool was maybe, maybe had a foot of water in it at much. And a uh, big old drain, you know, main drain right in the middle, just about. And he was demonstrating different kinds of entrapment. And one of the kinds of entrapment he he demonstrated quite visually was that he laid down on top of the drain, of course, was in a bathing suit, had his shirt off, <coughs> set above the water so he wasn't in any danger. And he just kind of laid on the drain. He could feel the power of the suction that was happening uh, at the main drain to the point that when he finally was able to release himself, you say he didn't look like abs, but tiny, tiny little abs um, all over his stomach and chest. It, it welts basically from the grate from the main drain. And it was a pretty good visualization of what entrapment, body entrapment looks like. Now, he didn't do anything with, with his own arms or hair. He didn't have hair. He had non-hair like me. Uh, but he got a mannequin's um, hand and arm. Uh, he put a wig on a mannequin's, uh, like a, a wig holder kind of thing, and showed it what it looked like. It, it was it was a powerful video. And um, I, I remember the first time I ever saw it, it was like, whoa, that really, really happens. Well, of course, he couldn't demonstrate evisceration because that's all gross. Um, but he described it very, very, very succinctly. But I'm going to tell you another story about entrapment. <clears throat> and I have to choose my words carefully because many people see this podcast and I still want to do podcasts with talking pools. So I need to choose my words carefully. But um, my in-laws lived in a 55 plus community in Ocala, Florida. Um, they, they have both passed. Uh, but when they were alive, um, they lived in, in this really nice community, um, just, just south of downtown Ocala. And uh, maybe a couple times a year, uh, the family, and we'd all go down and, and visit with them. That's really, really weird, strict rules. Like you could only stay for four days or something like that. You can only have children under 16 stay in your house for four days. It, it, it really weird but rules, but you know, it, hey, we follow them. And we had access to their little community pool. Now, their little community pool was your typical rectangular pool, eh, may, maybe 40,000 gallons. It was very well maintained, and it's one of the few pools that I ever actually got in um, uh, and, and, you know, exposed my body to chemicals and all the other icky stuff that goes in pool water <laughs> figures. But anyhow, I, I remember my father-in-law telling me a story about this pool and a guy. 
And um, this was before VGB was was enacted. Hi, um, I'm at the corner of Pleasant Hill and John Young Parkway. I'm in a Walgreens parking lot, and my car will not start. I'm locked inside my car. I cannot open my car. I can't get the windows down. Nothing electrical works. And it's getting very hot in here, and, I, and I'm, I'm not feeling well. I, I need some help. Just, just, are you able to pull the lock up on the door and open the door? You should be able to just pull the lock up, even if it's electrical. I tried. Oh, okay, okay. All right, I got that going. Okay. So are you able to get out of the car now? Yes, I got the door open. Okay. All righty, uh, I'll, I'll see if I can get AAA or something. Okay, thank you. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. That's okay. All righty, bye-bye. Damn, this beat go hard. This was before VGB was was enacted. And apparently um, um, a, a neighbor, well, not even a neighbor, he lived in the community, but not near my in-laws. He visited, the, the pool kept running 24-7, which was fine, which is okay. Um this guy broke into the pool after hours and he was drunk. We, we, we found out or whipsy tipsy and he goes and, and he breaks into the pool and, and strips down and jumps in the pool. You know, this is like two, three, two, three o'clock in the morning or something like that. And, and he's just having a good old time, but he's not drunk enough to drown himself, but he was drunk enough to kind of edge his way around the pool, you know, with his hands and, in being in the water, he was pretty buoyant. And then he happened upon an inlet, an, an inlet, an, an inlet um, uh, opening where, you know, the water sucked through the system and, you know, through filters and does, does what it's supposed to do. Well, this guy got kind of comfortable with this inlet and got kind of close to this inlet and decided to see what would happen if he placed something from his body into the inlet. I'm not going to describe it any further because you probably have a really good idea where I'm going with this. And yes, he did indeed do that. Well, the problem was the, the, the suction power was so strong, he couldn't pull out. And because of what was placed inside the pipe, uh, things got big and er, and he couldn't, even if he wanted to, even if somebody had shut off the pump, he could not move. Well, he was above the water and his hands were on the coping. And he was like, like that for all oh, about four hours <laughs> until the custodian came by and heard this guy screaming, um, <laughs> um, help, help, you know, I'm stuck. It took <laughs> it took the local fire department and EMS staff almost three hours to unstick, unstuck this guy because he was so engorged, <laughs> borderline bad, that you couldn't just, you know, pull it out. Um, 
they had to literally drain the pool, um, break, you know, uh, you know, just destroy it. They had to destroy the pool to get this guy free. <sighs> yeah, that's another kind of entrapment. I usually just tell this to CPO classes where it's just a bunch of guys and you see all their heads going uh, like that. And I have to be very, very careful about who I um, tell this story to. But apparently it doesn't really matter here because I'm telling it to everybody. But that's just an example. And and I don't know about you, but I've heard of other instances where something similar has happened. Um, you, you tend to take these things with a big, big grain of salt about yay big. But um came from my father-in-law, of all things. And and the, the next time, apparently after this all happened, and the next time we all went down to, to visit, sure enough, the pool was 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 closed and you could see where they had to break the shell and it it it, it cost something like a hundred and twenty thousand dollars to to fix to repair to to redo everything um <laughs> don't know what happened to the guy um but god if facebook was around back then can you imagine or tiktok or instagram or anything like that was around back then mm <sighs> So what's the point of this story other than trying to be absurdly funny and stupid? Um, Entrapments is a serious thing. And because of the recent um, expiration date uh, wave that's happened in the industry, you have to be very, very careful with um, the drain covers that were initially installed as part of the uh, VGB Act back in the day. Uh, they could have expired. And again, it depends on the pool, the size, the flow rates. It, 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 there's a couple other factors involved, but um, undoubtedly your local health department will at some point check the expiration date on the drains. And and that is uh, something that you actually have to go down and look at the drain itself because it's embossed right on the side of, of, of the uh, cover itself. Um, and if it's expired, it's expired. You got to shut the pool down because it's a safety issue. And if it's a safety issue, it can be a liability issue. And if it's a liability issue, then it's a money issue. And somebody's going to have to pay somebody else some money. or And or somebody's going to get hurt and pay somebody else a whole, whole lot of money. So, you know, you avoid the, the, the possibility of any kind of liability or, you know, or, or, or hopefully damage, um, you know, to, to anybody or anything. It's an important subject, and and uh, I I was had another topic I was going to talk about today, but a picture that a colleague of mine on Talking Pools um, posted this morning. Uh, thank you, Kelly. Um, maybe she'll pull it up because I can't access it. It seems I don't know why very well, uh, but it was a picture of of a little kid, who, and the kid must have been maybe two, maybe th- probably three. Three-year-olds would do something like this, but he had one of those little, um, you know, fake cars with the yellow roof and the red body, you know, pretend wheels and things like that. He rolled the the car, the toy car, up to the side of an above-ground pool that was four foot high, forty-eight inches high, and the kid somehow climbed onto the roof of the car and grabbed the 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 um, the, the lip of the pool, above-ground pool. 
not the right term. I know. I'm sorry. Um, and was kind of leaning over and looking at the water. That was just scary. And, you know, the, um, that that kind of did something to me this morning. Is that, no, I got to really talk about safety and entrapment and, and all that other stuff. And then I thought, oh, I can include the story about the guy in Florida and, and whatnot. But that's just a safety issue. And, and kind of in time, time-wise, it's kind of important because, remember, pool season's are pretty much starting uh, for people who don't have year-round pools for those communities that don't. And and making sure your facility is not only chemically safe for your users, I mean, that's the whole another thing, but physically you have to check everything um, to make sure that it's safe for your users to use. I mean, if you don't do that, then why even have a pool in the first place? It's not worth it. Um, you're never going to be able to to have anybody use the facility because it's, uh, well, shut down. <clears throat> but it's simply unsafe, and, and you don't want that possibility of, of liability um, to close down the pool permanently. Uh, and it's, it's a shame. The community that I live in in Harford County we had a very nice community pool, probably, oh gosh, I would say at least 120 to 150,000 gallon. Um, you know, one of those pools that go up, turn over, and then go up again, those kind of pools. Um, had a diving well. Um, I remember earlier on when we first moved to the area, they had the diving boards out there. Kids loved them. Um, the next season, they were gone. Because the insurance company said, nope, 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 um, too many problems, too many accidents. They got to go or we cancel your insurance. Well, they they took them down. Of course, got everybody upset, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> but the pool, pool went on for a number of years, changed ownerships. Community tried to run it for a while, things like that. Well, it got to the point where uh, nobody really wanted to take care of it anymore. Nobody wanted to run it. Let's put it like that. And it has sat empty now for at least 15 years. An empty hole in the ground that's doing nothing but having weeds grow in it and just is an eyesore. Um, but, you know, you have to take into consideration safety issues. They just, they just, they didn't. So, um, what do we do? What do we do now? Well, what do, what do I do now? Well, I am here talking to you about you know making sure everything is safe for the users, physically and chemically. Um, it's it, it's it's critical. It's 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 mandatory. It's it's don't be stupid and and look askance at something or, or skip something. Uh, you don't do that because if you if you do that, you're going to get caught and it's going to be a big problem down the road for you. So I think that's all I have to do to to tell you to talk to you about today. Um, I kind of rambled a bit, so I apologize. It's a very nice, beautiful day outside. I think I'm going to go take a walk with my wife. But um, if you have any ideas or any comments, any thoughts, any suggested uh, topics you'd like me to touch base on, please feel free to email me at talkingpools at gmail.com. 
and they will be forwarded to me, and uh, we'll see about getting you on the list of topics to talk about. Everybody have a great week, and be safe out there. See ya. Bye. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 